Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael. I'm here today as usual with my faculty meeting co-host, Tom. Tom, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. And we're here today for faculty meeting number 164, Player Problems. We are, this is a, a continuation of a series we've been sort of jumping in and out of what I'm calling faculty meetings redux, where Tom has been going back and listening to some of our early episodes and kind of bringing to the fore some of the things that we talk about then to see what might have changed about my opinions and thoughts and advice and just kind of give us some new topics to talk about. Uh, before we get too far into that, though, Tom, tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs if they want to come hang out with you. You can find me on Twitter at Bezcar Tom. I just did a tweet rundown of the Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen book. And yeah, you could go take a look at that. That's where I'm Bezcar Tom, Mandalorian Metal Tom. Excellent. Uh, you can find me, of course, at the RPG Academy on all of the places, including Mastodon now. Um, that's the one I've seemed to have the most success at and luck with as far as continuing to like find people and interact with people. Uh, so if the, the Twitter meltdown continues to the part that it's just unwieldy and unusable, that's probably where I will go fully. But Discord continues to be my favorite corner of the internet. So if you are listening to this and you are a Discord person, please reach out and ask for an invite. We will happily send you one and you can join our community there, which is a bunch of just lovely people talking about nerdy stuff. Talking about Willow right now. Well, we talk about Andor a lot. Now that that's over, now we're transitioning into Willow because the new show is about to come out next week. Tom, you said you've never seen Willow? I've never seen Willow, man. That was like a time. I'm like, this movie looks weird. I knew Val Kimmel, Kilmer from Batman at the time. So I'm like, uh, I don't. But no, I plan on watching it. Okay, because here's the thing. It's one of those it's one of those movies where if you've never seen it before, I, I can't speak to how it will hold up to brand new eyes. But I did watch it with my kids maybe a year ago and they both loved it. Like okay. I was a little bit surprised. I mean, they're obviously they're into the stuff. We we were playing D D at the time and you know, I'm really trying to immerse them in nerd culture. So I was pleasantly surprised when they both were like, that was great. Like they were ready for a part two. And so I don't even know if they know the show's coming out as I'm going to kind of surprise them like next week, like, Hey, this thing's coming out. So I hope that you do watch it and I hope that you enjoy it. But I do have a little bit of fear of as an adult watching it for the first time, it may not land. It'll land. I guarantee. Hopefully. Alrighty. Um, so before we get into the other stuff, just a quick shout out to our patron of the week, which is Chris Wittich. And our newest patron, which is actually your neighbor, Patrick. My neighbor. Yeah, that's how you boost your <laughs> online presence. You need to go talk to your neighbors, all right? I'm telling you, this is pro tip for anyone who wants to get into uh, podcasting. You see your neighbor in the backyard mowing their grass. You just say, hey, I have a podcast. <laughs> and I'm now, I'm batting a thousand right now. So for every neighbor I've told about my podcast, they've become a patron. You just need to go, you need, you need a community center. You need to go and like disperse flyers. Okay. At like yeah, something. Yeah. Hey, support your local podcaster. That's right. Absolutely. This holiday season, who could be more needy than us, right? But yeah. No, glad to have Patrick on board. Good dude. So I think we're going to have some fun stuff to talk about, have some important things to talk about. Before we do that, we always like to take a minute to say why we're here. The goal of these faculty meetings is in the conversation Tom and I, are about to have. We hope that in some place somewhere, there's at least one little nugget of wisdom you, dear listener, can pull out and apply at your tables to make your game more fun for you and your friends. 
but we understand that the opinions we share and the advice we give may not work at every table every time. There is one piece of advice that we feel is pretty universal. And Tom, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter which game you're playing, the system or addition, what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, as long as you and everyone at your table is having a good time, you're doing it right. So with that out of the way, let's start, let's start with the RPG news. So Tom, what's going out in the world of the RPG news? Okay, new game. It's about to drop, I think, in February, hearing a lot of cool things about it, called Action 12 Cinema. That's a great title. It, it is. I, but hold on. I, do, I did realize something. I keep wanting to say Action 12 Cinemas. And I was thinking about that. I was like, it's cinema. It's not Correct. cinemas. That sounds weird. I don't know why I'm saying that. I hope I'm the only one. I hope I'm the only one. Okay, but anyway, Michael, this is your game. I've reviewed your Kickstarter. Other people have reviewed it. It's kind of in the editing phase. Oh, but yeah, early days still. Yeah, give us that update because I feel, I feel like we're pretty close. So the, the big news, as you alluded to, is that the Kickstarter goes live in February of next year, technically February 28th. It's going to run, I think, for 29 days. Uh, it's going to end on a Wednesday, as we have pretty much always done with our Kickstarter, so that we can do a live countdown show. I believe that Wednesday lines up with detention. If not, I am going to supersede uh, your show. Sorry, uh, but I think I have it uh, worked out so that it'll, it'll be one of our shows anyways. Again, it's early days, but we're still looking at We don't have the goal completely settled. I don't know the pledge levels yet. I still got to work out all the details. But it is looking really good, but that is a big part to you specifically, as well as a lot of other people on the Discord that I've shared it with, because the first version of the Kickstarter was like 400 pages long. It was basically the book written with just a few minor edits, which I still feel like is necessary because I want people to know what they're buying. But as you keep convincing me, it's more about getting excitement for the product yes. or the project and get people to buy it. And then they can figure out if they want to play it, which I guess makes more sense for what we're doing. Uh, but for me, so the goal is to have a hundred people following the Kickstarter before we launch. So that's our pre-launch goal. We're currently at 46, which is not bad considering how long we've been doing this. So anyone out there listening, please, 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 there will be a link in the show notes to go to the click and be notified upon launch page. If you would do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Again, the, the goal is still being worked out, but more than likely... It's going to be around $25 for the print version. Like it might be a little bit lower, might be a little higher, but it's not going to go much either direction. So if we get 100 people day one that says, sure, I'll back this at around $25, that's $2,500, which again, I think is going to be our goal to start. It might be a little more, it might be a little less. But for the most part, if I can get 100 people day one to go back it at the print level, we should be good day one. Just we're, We'll be 100% funded and everything else after that will be gravy. Uh, so please, please, please consider clicking that link, to notify, and then backing on day one. It, it would be a huge benefit to me. And in room again, remember the way Kickstarter works, you do not get charged until the end of the Kickstarter. So if you plan on backing at any point, backing on day one, it kind of has this like weird quantum cumulative effect. So if you back on day one for $25, that's better for the life of the campaign. than If you come in the last 10 minutes and back at $200, it's actually better to do it early. So once again, please, please, please click on the link to be notified. And then day one, go back it at whatever level you can support. But ideally, it would be the print level. Cool. So that's Action 12. Coming soon. And then just very quickly, another thing for me, uh, at Catacon, again, I'm still riding the high. It was such a great 
year. We're, we're still constantly talking in the Discord about ways to improve. I'm very excited that we've got a couple of volunteers who are pretty much going to take control of what we're now calling the Junior Academy track. So we're hoping to have a whole program um, of events that are aimed at younger attendees as well as being hosted by younger attendees. So like my kids that are at the time will be 11 and 13 might be running some events. We might have panels that have kids on them, but we're definitely going to have more events that are aimed specifically at young attendees, board games and role-playing games. And I think that's very exciting. We still have not 100% decided on what our theme for next year is, but it seems like 11 foot pole has got some traction. I think it's hilarious. There's a few people who are like, man, on it, but it's as good as anything else we've come up with. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Michael. At the end of the day, I feel like me and you, we get veto power. Okay. All right. But this is what, this is why I think this is the best name is because they are honestly are very few things that me and you agree on instantly. <laughs> and you said 11-foot pole, and I was like, man, this is like some top-tier humor. Like, this is amazing. We are using Catacon 11-foot pole. I mean, I love it. I I'm think fine great. with it. I'm absolutely sold on it. Uh, but, in, but we still have a little bit of time. So if someone just swoops in with like an okay. even better one. A killer one. A killer, know? but it's got to be really good because everything else that people are saying, I'm like, that's yes. okay, but it's not yeah. better. It might be as good, but I just, I 11 foot pole makes me chuckle. So yeah, it's got the chuckle factor. Feels very RPG Academy-esque where it's kind <laughs> of, it's kind of cringe, but it's also not. So it just works, I feel. All right, so enough of my bull crap. What do you got for the, the okay. RPG news segment? Uh, a few, a couple things I wanted to hit on. One is a really weird thing from Free League, which is the Walking Dead RPG. Okay. I mean, that's like perfectly timed for 2011. Yeah. It's goofy. I feel like they got this license on discount, like a clearance code. It's like it's about to wrap up. The show's coming to an end. I literally didn't even know that the show was still running. I stopped watching it in like season seven or something, but it's still a thing. And what's funny is we were actually talking about wanting like The Walking Dead at my home group the other day. And then the next day they announced this and I'm like, okay, that's weird. But I feel like a zombie survival game would work really well with the year zero engine because Mm. you think about The Walking Dead, a lot of it is exploration. And you think about a game like Forbidden Lands, that's a lot of exploration and wilderness. So that kind of fits. You have the alien stress rules, which would work really good for a zombie game. So I feel like Free League has like the components to make this a really cool game. But it's still just if Free League was just making a zombie game, I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm in. But now that it's a Walking Dead game, I'm kind of like, uh. But interestingly, like looking over some of the information that's put out, they have actually got some connection to the writers or some of the writers that were part. And apparently some yeah. of the events in the game are going to be related to things that maybe were talked about, but never made the show or things that were like, we know this happened elsewhere, but the show is only going to deal with it. Like, you know, third tangent removed from it. Yeah. And they're actually going to have a actual play series to coincide, I think either with a Kickstarter or with the launch. And it's going to be ran by someone who was part of the production team, which I think is a pretty cool thing. I I mean, I'd love to see more of that from like Star Wars. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, the actual play you mentioned is actually it's going to be being run by AMC. Like so AMC is actually running that. So 
should be interesting. Okay, so that's Walking Dead RPG. Yep. All right. The other thing, this is a funny piece of news because typically rumors when it comes to D&D, a lot of times we just have so much information nowadays. There's never like a juicy rumor. All right. So somebody with a YouTube channel, I don't even know what the YouTube channel is, said that they spoke to somebody on the inside of at Watsi, and they said that Watsi was going to be discontinuing third-party publishing support when one D&D comes out. Okay. They still are saying that you'll be able to release stuff on the uh, DMs Guild because they take a big old fat cut out of that. Yeah, it's like half. It's half, and they're tr- so it sounds like th- this. It, but it got re- this got retweeted and uh, started being discussed by. You're familiar with Griffin Saddlebags, that Kickstarter. Kickstarter. It's a yeah. really not. It's a really good third party resource for magic items. And so they were like, this is terrible. Is this true? And so now nobody knows. Watsi says that their kind of statement was that we're going to continue to support stuff through the DMs Guild, but they would not say about third-party stuff. And so people are thinking the absence of a statement is saying that it's true, that they won't be, which this kind of gets into weird copyright laws because you actually can't copyright game rules. I don't know if you knew this. Right. Yes, I know that. So you can't copyright game rules, but you can trademark like stuff like D&D and other things and, you know, monsters within D&D. Uh, so there is some level head level-headed people who are like, do not worry about this right. because people have been uh, Frog Lord Games has been they were releasing 5e stuff before 5e even officially announced yet and just calling it you know whatever greatest role-playing game of all time right um and you just can't put stuff in there like beholders or displacer beasts um which i mean like the first thing i think of is like cobalt press maybe 2c gaming yeah uh, um was it acadia from mcdm games yeah some of these upper tier companies they are going to produce 5e content because that's what their their livelihood demands that's how they stay in business and they do top top shelf top tier maybe some might argue better than 5e does it themselves and like that level up thing that the in-world morris yeah there's going to be a ways around it because like you said you can't copyright mechanics you can only top copyright presentation so they will find a way to manipulate what they need to, to say, this is not 5e related, but here's a secondary little thing that will help you convert anything we do to 5e because we can do that. It's yeah. Yeah. I'm completely out my butt. This is silly. It's going to, it's not going away. So I agree, but I also think that this may be more interesting than we think it will be because over the last two years, uh, Hasbro has corporatized Watsi a lot. Okay, um, Hasbro recognizes that Watsi is their one of their biggest uh, profit to revenue uh, ratio, like brands. Like they just make so much profit, all right, and they have such a big fan base that they are like Hasbro is like like laser focus. You can on in all of their shareholder meetings they always talk a ton about watsi and there, it's been a ton of stuff all right so i am curious to see though now that hasbro is more focused on watsi 
if they do go after some of these bigger names, you know, like Matt Colville's company or like Cobalt Press or some of these bigger companies. I'm curious to see what what happens with this. It, we'll see. It would almost make sense if maybe they would try to absorb some of those companies, like pull a Disney thing rather than competing with Marvel. Let's just buy Marvel. Let's try competing with Pixar. Let's just buy Pixar. They may. They may. Because they've got the money for it right now. Yes, they do. So we shall Interesting. see. Yeah, but again, we don't know. We're just speculating. speculating. We are feeding the rumor mill <laughs> because this is purely a rumor from like a YouTube site that is like not that big. So fair enough. All right. So let's move on. So what else do we want to talk about today, Tom? All right. Games. All right. Cause we do play games here. Michael, Sometimes. have you been playing any RPGs lately? No. And it's what happened. It's sad. Like, so my home game with my buddies that I talked about before scheduling has just become an issue. It, we just haven't been able to have it. I've, I've mentioned, you know, we can play online. That's what I mostly do these days, but unfortunately they, they are really, Again, they're old like me, but they also haven't been immersed in the culture like I've mm. been. So their idea, they don't want to play through Zoom. Like they'd rather just not play at all than play through Zoom. So it's all, we have to get together or not at all. And then my kids, we, because of the holidays and they had their play, which is now over, we just have not been able to play. But both of those have not died. They're just in a hiatus. And then I was supposed to play Savage Worlds as sort of a uh, help me to get more immersed in the Savage Worlds rules to again this actual play i hope to launch early next year and then it kind of died last minute because of player not being able to players not being able to make it so i have been in a hard drought these last few days so i hope that you have been basking in the rainwaters of rpgs because i have got nothing to share somewhat not as much as i would like the ever war stream is still going and we're we're doing it and i'm loving it all right i'm like i'm i'm loving it but I really do get fueled by playing in person, all right? And my Forbidden Lands game, unfortunately, got canceled again last week. It was very disappointing. And it's like all my players, they are all dedicated to the game. And we don't have people. Everybody is like, every other Wednesday, this is what we do. It's not like, oh, you know what? No, I got this other thing going on. I'm not coming. This is what we do. But... You know, half of us have kids and the other half is like travels a lot for their work. And so it just kind of like when everybody's in town, like half of everybody is sick because kids are getting sick. My kids got sick. You know, their kids are getting sick. Some people are traveling for work, trying to get projects done before the end of the year. And we haven't we've we've not played for like two months and I am there's no risk of like the campaign dying. We're not like it, but it's just like, we all just want to play, but we can't. And it's, it's rough. It is though. Let me just jump in and say, cause I, again, my slipped my mind. I did get to play recently. My, my Eberron game, which had been canceled like nine times in a row. We actually got to play on Monday for the first time in, in over two months, I believe. So let, let me, I don't, I don't, don't want to pull that out that I haven't, I got to play even though, cause I was thinking about running and it was wonderful. Had a great time. Really enjoyed that. That campaign is continuing to be a lot of fun. So that at least was a little bit of like an oasis in the desert for me. Uh, but I was focused more on running. And when you mentioned wanting to play, I'm like, wait, I did get to play, but yeah. So we're hoping next week we can meet together. And a week after that, we've got ever war and then we'll see about what that's good. Now we're getting really close to Christmas. So, but if yeah. we can get, if I can get one session in before Christmas, I will be happy. 
So, and then I will mention that I got to play a game night this week with, um, I mentioned this, like, I think, so I moved to Corbin, right? I'm in Corbin. We went through COVID. Yeah. We, we finally got over that. And then my sister-in-law has this really good friend, Brandy and her long-term boyfriend, Zach. So we got, we got together. We played like one kind of game night. I was like, Oh, these are my people. Yay. They're not really in role-playing games though. They did try action 12 cinema, but they're much more board game people. Yeah. And then it's been like literally over a year that we've done <laughs> this because schedules and sicknesses and all kinds of other stuff. And, and Brandy, she's the, the play person at my kid's school. So they're constantly doing play practice and then blah, blah, blah. But we got to have another one. So I think we're on, on pace for one every year. But we did a lot more like party style games, which I don't mind, but those aren't my favorite. And so Brandy and I were both like, let's play nerd games. Like they want to, like we want to play like the Star Wars Clone Wars, like the Star Wars pandemic. And Zach's like, eh, not really my thing. And my sister's like, eh, not really my thing. So I think we've decided that Brandy and I are just going to have like a nerd night where we get to play games and then okay. sister and Zach go and watch, like watch a movie or something because I want to play nerd games. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I have, I play, we still are playing board games, you know, two to three times a week. Like, oh, yeah. See, I'm getting like once sad. a month if I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah, that's something though. It's something, you know. Okay. Take it. Okay. So, all right. All right. We're going to move into some Dungeon Talk. Dungeon right. Talk. Dungeon that's, Talk that's 20. Our new theme song. Dungeon Is Talk. It? Dungeon you guys talk. actually do like, used to do cool like segment breaks, like, you know, with like an arrow noise and yep. message for you, sir. Yeah, that. yeah, that. Like, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. But I will say this. Uh, you guys, this episode, there nobody got rid of the noise in the background, so this is just this constant white noise, and it's very annoying. Oh, I'm so, sure. Like, we were still early days learning stuff, but, how to white noise get rid of, like, you know, noise suppression. This cool might effects, have even though. been another, like, mic in the middle of the table day. Oh, no, the mics were okay. It was just white noise, but that's not... So it was... So this is called episode 25. Hey, what's up? I don't understand your titles yet, but... Okay, that's what it was. It was you, Evan, and Nico. And I still say, like, I want to talk to Nico. Yeah, me too. Like, this guy has some really good nuanced takes on stuff. So that he'd be cool to talk to. He's, like, he's a friend on Facebook. I still chat with him occasionally. I've asked him if he wants to come back and he's just you should, not interested. Okay, okay interesting. Okay. All right. Well, maybe someday. Nico, but we love you and miss you, brother. Please come on the should, show. Again. You should check this out. Okay. So the this episode was a lot about, and it's interesting. This wasn't your all's group necessarily. You weren't necessarily having this problem in your group. Uh, but you wanted to talk about some player stuff. You had problem players. People were asking some questions on the Facebook and different things like that. So a conversation got asked. So. The first thing, which actually I'm kind of struggling with this right now, is how do you balance player goals? So every player, you have your big campaign goal, but then typically everybody has a few player goals. You know, meet up with your long lost trainer who can, you know, or find your family or find, you know, the missing half of your sword, you know, different things like that. A lot of times people just ignore that those things even exist and they just kind of do their own thing. But what do you do when all the players really care about their goals? How do you keep that from getting chaotic? So my first thoughts today, because I have not listened to this, I don't know what I said back then, is one of the things that I have done, I think successful, in some of the games I've ran recently, 
is I will just sort of be open to the players that, hey, tonight, probably going to be a Lisa night. We're going to spend a lot talking, you know, Lisa's goals, Lisa's backstory. It's going to revolve a lot around Lisa. And then I just kind of share that. And like the next episode is going to be a Caleb night. The next episode is going to be a Brad night. And I'm going to reference in the, the Shadow Spawn game that I ran. Because we would do that. Like before the game, I would just say, tonight's going to be a lot about Lisa. But I, you know, we're going to get to other characters too. And my players, at least in that game, were all on board. They they really enjoyed kind of moving themselves into the background. And they got to have fun in the the parameters of knowing that they were going to be more support players this episode. But I tried really hard so that, you know, Lisa didn't get too many episodes in a row and then Caleb didn't get too many episodes in a row. And so I think everyone knew that their time to shine was coming up. And if they were this, a good support player this episode, they were going to get the spotlight next time. And, you know, even within that background player role, they could still move their story forward. They just weren't the focal character. So that's probably the biggest thing I would say now is just good communication and sharing the spotlight. You know, I can't I can't focus on everyone's goal every episode, but I can focus really well on one or two players' goals in a particular episode. So I don't necessarily disagree with you, and I got a few things I want to take from that, but do you think it gets boring for the other players? Maybe, but no one complained about it. So if it was boring, it wasn't so much it ruined the experience. But And I think I moved the spotlight around enough that no one was bored for so long that it started to negatively affect them, at least not to the point they communicated to me. So my problem is, is that, so in our Forbidden Lands game, all of my players have interesting side stories, okay? Things they want to do, except one player. One player, all he wants to do is just cook food for the rest of the party. And you know what? I we Because he's got this very simple thing, we have a lot of fun every session with that. All right. But everybody else sees these really cool, interesting things. And I don't know. I just get the... I feel guilty as the dungeon master when I'm not like... I mean, obviously, you can't get hit everything every time. But if I were to do like one session... Not necessarily like every scene is about this player, but, you know, more focused on that. I would feel guilty for almost like I didn't give the other players the proper experience Mm. that they wanted. I am a big fan of doing meta stuff, talking above the table, telling them like, hey, this is going to be about this player. And I've done that before. So I don't know. I'm just thinking about how bored people would get with this. I mean, if depending on how long you play, again, like Shadow Spawns, we probably got two, no more than three hours at a time. And sometimes it was as little as like one and a half hours, depending on just things that were going on. But if you're at your house for like four hours and you're playing for four hours, you could easily break that into multiple sort of overarching scenes where maybe the first hour and a half is about one player and the second hour and a half is about another. So you might be able to move that spotlight around a little bit more and, you know, evenly if you have players who are getting easily bored. But I don't think, like, I don't think it's too much to ask of the players to say tonight's about Tom. Okay. Just everyone be on board as a player. I don't think that I would be offended. It's very socially knowing that, Hey, eventually my turn's going to come up. It's going to be all about me. And I'm also the kind of player I find I can I can find my fun in the margins. So if I know yeah. tonight's about Tom, I'm still going to find ways for Michael's character to be popping up, you know, R2-D2, C-3PO style in the background or these bit players who who are memorable background players, maybe even more memorable as background players than they are in the forefront. 
you know, again, that's just who I am as a person and as a player, I don't mind that at all. But I, you know, if you have a player who that doesn't seem to be fitting with, then it's going to be a conversation about like, well, I can't make it all about you. So what can I do to make sure that you're not losing focus? Is it okay. like a 20 minute interlude where it is about your character as like a side quest sort of thing? I don't know. I'd have to be, it'd be dependent on what that player had to say. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, and then what do you like? What about the idea that the it's not up to the GM to, you know, shoehorn in another player's story. It's their responsibility to bring it up. Like, like, I don't have I, I don't have enough time to be focused on your little story. Like, if you want to do something, you need to say something. Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? Because I'm more inclined to say, like, hey, take some responsibility and you know, collaborative storytelling, collaborate. So that, that's kind of where I think I've been following, falling more lately. I, I don't know. There's something about that, that seems a little bit off to me because I don't, because I, because I am so much into the meta and just talking about things and, and, and just saying, Hey, it's on you to find your time to shine in the game. Then it almost becomes competitive and not collaborative okay. because you're so, saying like, you've got to like, if, if Jake's just being more vocal, then I'm going to give Jake more time. And if Troy's not as vocal, then Troy won't get as much time. Again, I feel like that's now a competitive situation and I don't, I don't like the feel of that as much. Okay. It's funny you say that because it kind of has come down to that before. Okay. The times where I have told the group, Hey, it's going to be this person's session is when I want the player who usually doesn't talk as much because they're more low key about things. When I want them to have an opportunity because I know they won't speak up for themselves. That's when I'll tell the group, Hey, you know, we're going to explore this, this plot about these Ravens that this one player wants to do. Okay. So Jake, just chill out tonight. Like, so because especially my home game, everybody in my home game is like super like into it. Like they are always pushing and pulling, trying to get their character goals out there or to try to, you know, and they work together. They work together as a group to get the main thing. But yeah, no, there is definitely between two of my players, there's definitely been some, I could tell some above the table kind of, you know, jostling for, for, you know, spotlight has turned into, uh, like in-game conflict a little bit. Okay. So where they're there where their characters are not good friends. And so they, you know, more inclined to have, you know, opposing goals. But I think that then comes to my the, the next part that you guys talked about though is what do you do if everyone's character concepts are opposed to each other? So today Michael's gonna say, well that should never happen because you should have had a good session zero, ding take a drink and built characters that would work together or at least have an understanding at the player level that their characters may not work together, but as players, we are going to build to a point where their characters will like synthesize together. And it'd be a very, you know, satisfying moment when the characters do build to that. Uh, I don't know what 10 year ago, Michael said probably something stupid. 10 year ago, Michael did say something stupid. All right. 10 year ago, Michael said that, Actually, Evan brought this up. Like, don't you think we should like build characters together? And you said no. And this is like, you guys still haven't talked about session zero yet. Basically, 
you were like, everybody should just make what they want to make. And there should be an in-game element that brings players together, whether it's the ogres kicking down the door of the tavern where all the players are. And that conflict builds this bond of camaraderie that brings everybody together. That should be like the thing you in your reasoning was because you thought building characters together and doing that kind of stuff was boring. Well, I still agree to a point that the actual meat and potatoes of like rolling the dice and choosing your feats and, you know, deciding what you're going to buy for your, you know, in your backpack is boring, but that's not what I think of when I talk about building characters together anymore. It's more who my character is and how they fit into the party as a unit, as a cohesive, cohesive part of the unit. But I still agree. I don't want to spend 45 minutes passing that player's handbook around where you going, well, I have seven gold pieces left. What should I buy? Can I buy a candle? Do you have a lantern? If I buy oil, can we, can we split the lantern? I have two pittens. What can I borrow your rope? Like I do find that incredibly boring. So I still want that part to happen on your own, but the big swaths of this is who my character is. And this is how I see them fitting into the overall party dynamic. I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. I think that, that kind of holds true, but man, I think even back then you were like, you're, you, I think it was because you were, you're, I mean, you still are a very story focused person. You thought that it should all be, everybody has their own thing and it's like an organic, there should be like organic, true storytelling that, cause you think about like a novel, like there's, there's protagonists who don't, or like who are at each other's throats. Like, you know, like Han Solo didn't was like, but eventually he he came up, you know, right. started working. And that, I think that's what you really wanted was right. that to happen in your game. And that's like impossible. Well, I still think that that is the most satisfying way for it to work. Yeah. I have just come to realize that it's going to not work 99% of the time. And I would rather just say, hey, let's all work on this ahead of time and still get like 80% of that satisfaction a hundred percent of the time. And I'm not great at math, but it seems like you're going to have a more satisfying game most of the time that way than the one time it works out the other way. Yeah, I agree. I actually really, I kind of want to do something now where we all, I kind of want to do like a session zero where we all talk about the world, but we don't talk about characters at all. And everybody, even me as the dungeon master knows nothing and everybody shows up, and then we all have to figure out each other's personalities like you would in real life and goals and stuff. I don't know. It sounds like it would probably be like it would probably be terrible, but it probably would be terrible. But if you can make it work, it it's beautiful. It's like a work of art when it just works. Cause I've had those moments from back in the day where people like again, you just showed up with a character. No one knew who you were playing. There was no collaboration about what role in the party you would play. You're just, this is who my character is. You dungeon master, you have to find a way to make this make sense. And when the dungeon master did a good job and the players did give a little bit to make it work, it was amazing. It was so much fun, but it was way harder. And it most of the time didn't work in my experience. Okay. So we take it a step farther then. Okay. Let's say we have characters with opposing that are opposed to each other's because we didn't talk about this beforehand. And one player's goals are just so annoying that they're you're they're bugging the DM so much, or one player in particular. 
All right. Now we're into like interpersonal conflict. All right. Yeah. So if I just, I, cause I want to know, I want to know what you think about this. So if a player is bugging the DM, but not other players or uh, what players bugging other players can like, what do you do? Can you kick, do you kick that player out? Like what's the, what's the protocol? So this is something I dealt with a few times over my quote unquote career. And it almost never happens now because it's just a completely different environment. And again, because I do believe so much in session zero and I, I almost cast my games. Like I go out and say, Hey, this is the type of game I want to play. You know, I'm kind of doing that right now with the Savage Worlds game. I've been talking about like what I want the world to be and how the characters are going to fit into the world and people are expressing interest. And eventually I'm going to sit down and kind of narrow that player pool down to the three or four or five that are going to do it. We're going to have a session zero, ding, take a drink, where we talk about this. And, and everyone is going to be on board before we ever actually play a game. But I've had those other situations back in the past where I didn't do those things. And, you know, like when I first moved to Cincinnati from Cleveland and I decided that I did want to keep playing and I kind of threw out like this was this is how I met the people who are now part of the faculty. I met Brad and I met Jared and we talked about the ways that that has happened, but there were some mis missteps along the way. And there were some people that I played with that I'm still friendly with, but they weren't good fits for the type of game I wanted to tell or the types of stories I was trying to tell. So I had people who showed up and are like, this is not going to work. And I would like to say that I was a very mature person. And I said, hi, sorry. I just don't think you're a good fit. What I did is I said, hey, I need to change the day that I can play. Oh, I'm so sorry. It happens to be on the day that you said you couldn't <laughs> be here. Or um, I'm not sure what's going on. Wife is doing this. Let me let me touch base with everybody once we get back, circle back together. And then I just left them off the emails. Like I did those sorts of things because I wasn't sure, I wasn't good about conflict resolution. I don't think I would do that today, but I don't also have to do that today. But yeah, that that happened. Some, I had people that I didn't just tell them they're out, but they stopped being invited sort of a thing. Okay. Yeah, it's tough because I've been thinking about this in the sense of like, Okay, somebody is messing up our story, whether they're doing it intentionally or not. But these, are, but this person's also my friend. Like, when does game like? It's like, how important is the game over like the friendship yeah. kind of thing? It's like, is it more important that this story gets told a certain way, or even that you know, there's that those unspoken rules around the table that everybody's following them and everything. Or is it, you know, this is more of just, you know, I'm, we're hanging out with my friends. That's what, this is like poker night with the boys kind of thing. Like, is that more important? I think nowadays, especially because I value the friendships that I have so much with these, you know, these other guys. And I'm, so I'm like, I'm, yeah, it's, it's tough because I actually have me and Jake actually surprisingly have had the most, um, conflicts mm. in our home game it's because he's also a dm so he sees certain things a certain way like like i've killed his character before and he was like oh man i wasn't ready for that kind of thing i'm like but man this is what we you can die and then and then he like will pressure me i'm like okay we'll bring your character back somehow and i totally cave oh. um and it's but then i'm like i'm not gonna like we're good but it's like if it I don't know. It's a tough thing. 
Yeah, well, and just to touch on that, because I think I've, I've said this before, but just sort of like the thing I was joking about earlier, talking about with like Brandy and Zach and my sister-in-law, that I think it's fine to have people that I watch football with who are different people than I would go watch a movie with, who are different people than I would play RPGs with. And I mean, I think sometimes but friends groups kind of overlap and you're like, hey, I have a friend group. Let's play D&D together. But you might have a friend who's just not the right fit. And I do think it's okay to say you're the friend that I do this with, but you're not the friend that does this because you don't want to do that either. Like you might show up because you're my friend, but you're more of a detriment than you would yeah. be an asset in that case. And I do think it's okay to kind of talk about that at a, at a higher level. And it's different. Like the people I mentioned before who I stopped inviting, those weren't friends. Those yeah. were people that I like went on a meetup group saying, Hey, I'm trying to start a D and D game. Who wants to play? Or I went to like a game store and put a flyer up because I was trying to find a, a, a group. But when you're talking about your friends and the activities, like I have friends that I would go hiking with. I have friends who were like, why would you invite me hiking? You know, I'm never going to go hiking with you. Right. So I think it's okay to silo your friends if they're on board, like, yeah, you're like, I might show up because I'm your friend, but this isn't really my thing to say, let's do this other thing, you and I, or this, this group that's 80, it's like the Venn diagram, you know, in the center might be your RPG group. But on the outside, you might have my, my friends who I watch football with my friends who I play board games with my friends who I watch movies with. I think it's okay to do that. It's funny. Yeah, no. Okay. I get it. There's also been people who have like, I, who are friends who are nerdy friends, but who've like wanted to be in my games in the past, but like I never would invite them because I would know, like, I know like, Oh, you have a, you have a problem, you know, showing up for like board game night or like, I'm like, you know what? You're probably not going to be the greatest to keep a schedule. So let's just keep it to every other month board game night for you kind of person. Right. So, okay. Um, Yeah, no, that's a tough one. Let us know. I'm curious to see if, anybody has any stories and if you can bring them up and tell us without bringing up too much trauma about having to kick a player out, I'd be curious to see. Or naming names, you know, like we, we can, we can change the names to protect the innocent. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. All right. So that was Dungeon Talk. It was a really good episode. Oh, the other funny thing about this little antidote about, about this episode was you guys started talking about fate again. Mm. And so Evan made the you and you and nico were are we're love and fate at this point and you and savage worlds all right so you haven't really talked about D a whole lot and so evan makes the comment like evan makes the comment of like guys don't forget we're the D academy and so i'm like already seeing the seeds you know be planted of this changing it was interesting interesting okay all right very cool table topic i want to talk about this is more of like a kind of you know what it's kind of merges into listener questions too, but I recently threw up on Twitter. I was looking for a new podcast to listen to for tabletop gaming. When I first started playing games, I listened to a lot of podcasts. A lot of those, some of those podcasts were uh, the one shot podcast. Uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff, how we roll, um, a few other ones in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, and then obviously the RPG Academy too. Of and course. I guess I still listen to this because I'm on it. So, but, um, but I was like, 
I don't listen to these RPG podcasts anymore. I listen to like Formula One podcasts and history podcasts, but I want to listen to more RPG podcasts again because that was I enjoyed that back in the day. So I threw that up there and I got a lot of good responses. So I basically unsubscribed from every RPG podcast that I had to listen to before, all right? But the ones that I added that I've listened to is Roleplay Chat. I don't know if you've heard of this one. No. All right. It seems pretty new. I can't even look. I'm blank. I'm so bad. I'm even blanking on who like the actual host is. But roleplay, it was just like it's an interview style podcast. And it I liked it because the inter most RPG interviewers are, I'm just gonna say it, are not great at interviewing. They uh it's just yeah, this is just so good. It stays focused. This is really good. Um the other ones that I listened to RPG R&D by Craig Campbell because Craig said, Tom, I have a podcast and I always forget that Craig has a podcast and it's a good podcast, right? But the king of all the new podcasts and I'm obsessed with and I'm going to have these people on show and tell. I'm going to reach out to them because it's my new favorite thing. It's called the Manicolum podcast. Okay. I have no idea what that I have no idea how to pronounce this. But these, it's two RPG historians, not RPG historians, medieval history, like historians. These people are like, you know, they they know stuff. All right. They're they're in um academia and all this other kind of stuff. And they go through and they talk about medieval stories, poems, and you know, different th- ballads, all these kind of things. They find them. They will talk about them and tell the story and read the actual poem and then talk about um, how to apply certain elements to their games. And this is it's so good. Like they are witty. They like I said, I love history podcasts, so I'm getting good history Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. Like the Manicolum podcast, I cannot say enough about how good this thing is. And I didn't want like D and D podcasts. I wanted more general stuff. And theirs right. is more at the end. They talk about D and D stuff, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. They, it, this is, they will actually go through and find poems that haven't even been translated yet. Or like if a translation is not open domain, they will do the translation of the, in the, of the original language into modern English. And it's like, it's good. And then they're, they're, they're funny too. Like they were like, they translated a word. I can't, I think it was ye. Cause ye is like a plural, plural form of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They translated ye to y'all because that's what the modern equivalent of a plural group is. And so they're reading this, this medieval poem with this beautiful language, but they yeah. keep, kept saying y'all hear y'all hear y'all. It was so good. But anyway, the Manicolum podcast is top tier. All right, I'll put some links in the show notes for those if you want. And then I also kind of throw out throw out a similar thing because I don't really listen to actual plays anymore. Like yeah, I know there are either. some out there that are very good. I have liked listening to them, but I just don't have time. Like I really have so many part-time jobs now that it's it's kind of ridiculous. I went from having no jobs to having like five part-time jobs. So I don't have a lot of time now anymore that's not built specifically for like editing podcasts, recording podcasts, blah, blah, blah. So I don't have time to get invested in a long-term story. Just is not who I am right now. But I still would like to hear more like 
rules theory, more discussion, maybe something along Savage Worlds, because that's something I'm going to be doing soon that is like a how to oh, yeah. how to run better Savage Worlds. So I'm still on the lookout for more suggestions. So anyone listening, if you also have suggestions for podcasts that are not actual play, then please hit us up. You can either comment on this episode directly or the one we throw it on Facebook and Twitter and then Mastodon. Um, please like link, hey, here's my favorite non-actual play Maybe not D&D specific podcast, but if they are D&D specific, that's not a deal breaker, but I'm also looking for more just general theory kind of stuff. Do you have like, do you listen to any RPG podcasts right now? Not a whole lot really, no. Okay. Mostly I listen to like comedy and movie stuff. I listen to a ton of stuff about all the Marvel breakdowns, all the shows. Ringerverse is a big one I listen to. Filmcast Daily and Slash Film Daily and the Filmcast, I listen to those. Uh, And then I have a few comedy podcasts that I listen to. Yeah, no, because it's I'm so immersed in RPGs and I love RPGs, but I when I'm driving to work, I usually will want to listen to something else, you know, mm. or if I'm running or something. But yeah, that's why I think this Manicolum podcast, it just hits this sweet spot where it's mostly history stuff. Love it. All right. Um, listener questions. We had one from Grant that I really liked. Okay. Well, I, actually, Discord. I want to start with with uh, Al's first just because okay. I had a topic for that. So Al would point out uh, like a great idea in theory that turned out to be a terrible idea in practice. Oh. And it, it made me think of one, and I know I've touched on this before, so I'm not going to go into the full I know story. It's one you're, I know it's one you're going to say. So this was a game I was running for patrons back in the day. And I thought it was a brilliant idea, and it probably still was, but just executed poorly. I essentially came up with these very in-depth, interesting NPCs. I had each player create several NPCs and really gave them life and vibrancy. And then we played the first session as the characters in the world. And at the end of the first session, all the main characters disappear. And so starting the second session, they were playing as these NPCs, trying to find out what happened to the PCs that had just disappeared. And we've seen this sort of thing in in media before. I can think like, I'm sure there's like Buffy episodes where, you know, Buffy and Angel disappear. And so the Scooby gang had to like, step up and try to do things. I'm pretty sure like X-Files, there were a couple episodes where like the lone gunmen were the main characters. So that's what I was trying to emulate. But I didn't communicate that this was what was going to happen. They had no idea how long these main characters that they were more invested in were going to disappear because they were just completely gone. And they basically revolted. They hated it. it. It did not work out well at all. And I still think it was a good idea, poor execution. So that's the, immediately what I thought of when Al asked this question. This is the one, was Shane from Total Party Thrill playing in that game? Yes, yes, he was. Okay, that's why I know about this, because he, he's talked about this before. I think, yeah, how it didn't work. How it was a good idea. Did not work. It did not all. work, which is exactly what Al was asking. Right. And I kind of joked with Al about this, like that all of my ideas are great, mm-hmm. and I don't have this story. But I really don't, because... I am not that I'm not that creative enough in my games to come up with a big idea like that. I usually run if I'm running a system, I run it very close to how it's meant to be run. That's just kind of that's the kind of games that me and my table enjoy. Right. We try out a lot of different systems so we can get these different things. But I'm trying to think and I can't think of anything where it was just like probably the stupidest thing I ever did was actually, you know what? This is kind of a I wanted to run like a classic dungeon crawl. So I decided not to just go buy one of the new things. I decided to run the original Temple of Elemental Evil mm. and just kind of convert it over to fifth edition. So I get, yeah, no, this fits in. It was terrible um, because 
my party was not we were we don't run games like that we don't play games where you're like you know you know fighting some skeletons and then you go into another room and now there's a t-rex and there was those that old school D was very much like that and we wound up just i'm like I just told my players, I'm like, you guys go crazy. You guys come up with the biggest concepts you can ever, because I'm not having fun with this right now. So I that was probably the one campaign where I was just, I was so happy when it was over. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, again, I think dungeon crawls can be a lot of fun, but for me personally, it's more of a, like a one session in a campaign now, like this whole session is going to be a dungeon crawl, but something where like you're in a dungeon for session after session after session, I don't think I would enjoy that. That's what we did. Yeah. I, don't I think did that not would enjoy for it. Me. And then, you know, this has been a few years ago. I talked about like after, I think it was during fourth edition, I wanted to run like an old school AD and D like by the rules as close as I could manage. And we did that and it was terrible. I'm like, no, this, this is not fun for me. I'm, I think they have definitely improved the rules and got rid of some of these things that aren't fun, but you know, I mean, getting rid of some of that simulationist stuff, like weapon speed, like, okay, I get, if you're really into the strategy, like then the choice of a weapon can have a dramatic impact in a battle, but I want my characters to do stupid stuff and jump off balconies and do backflips and, you know, swing from chandeliers that needs a more loosey goosey rule system. So I definitely think uh, it was, I had a lot more fun playing five E than I did my one, Eight, my AD&D retro, let's try this by the rules, and I will probably never do that again. Nice. Okay. All right, Good so question. sorry. So now on to Grant's question. Okay, Grant's question. Holiday one-shots, any favorites, any good ones you've done in the past? Or do you have like a, mem- like a memorable Christmas game that you ran? See, I don't. This is why I wanted to bring Alice's <sighs> question, because I really don't have that. Okay. I, I ran a Scooby-Doo Halloween special, which we actually recorded for the, for the show. It's probably been eight six, seven, eight years ago. Now there's, there's a Scooby-Doo one, maybe two shot from the recording standpoint. That was a lot of fun. And then I think Caleb wrote a Halloween one shot. We, we tied it to a catacon one year. I think it was like a stretch goal sort of thing that he put together with some other people on the discord this before you had joined. Okay. I don't, I just don't really do this mostly because I don't have a regular game anymore. Like all my games are over the internet and they, don't last long enough to have a year of cycle to, to have a need of a holiday special. Okay. What about so? Okay. So I do have something and I need to see if I can find my notes. I don't have anything written down about it, but I actually, it may be in one of my notebooks because I keep my actual physical notebooks for all the games I run. Um, I ran a Christmas game. Okay. And it was amazing. All right. The whole concept was that Santa Claus's sister-in-law was this evil, like, sorcerer, okay? And she hated him for taking her sister from her, okay? And she took over the workshop, okay? It was – we had so much fun with this. Also, I think why – this is so memorable for me because I am so proud of a – npc i made okay i introduced a like a a character it was a kind of like a I, what, what's the word i'm trying to i'm trying to think about it's not anamorphic you know like an animal person kind of thing you know what i'm There's talking anthropomorphic. about anthropomorphic anthropomorphic reindeer okay okay who was absolutely buff so it's like, and, like kangaroos but with antlers yes and their name was 
Rudolf Lundgren. And it was, and I was so proud of that, that it made the game for me. And Rudolph was like this real buff guy with uh, nose powers and would punch stuff. And there was evil elves and other things. But yeah, no, that was it. It wasn't like an official thing. Like it was just one that I kind of made up myself. And we had a lot of fun with that. But I think I I would, if you have an opportunity to just run a Christmas one shot, just do it. It's a lot of fun. You guys can have eggnog, you can wear sweaters, you know, put some candles and Christmas music and just have, I, I, I love it. So. so we actually watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special today. Oh, it that's came out? out? Yeah, it came out today. So that that would make a pretty good Christmas one shot sort of thing. I thought that was a lot of fun. Okay. So uh, so we'll throw this out to the audience. So if you've had a great idea of poor execution or something you thought was a great idea and turned out to be terrible, let us know. Or if you have holiday one shots, whether it be, you know, Easter, Christmas, Halloween, Arbor Day, any sort of like festive one shot that you've done or you would like to share, please let us know. You can email the show at the RPG Academy at gmail.com. Or again, you can comment on the episode when we post it on our website or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. All right, Tom. So anything else before we wrap things up today? No, that's it. All right. So once again, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me at best car, Tom. That's Mandalorian metal Tom on Twitter. You can also find both of us in our Discord. Again, it's a closed community. You have to ask for the invite, but we will invite you. So just hit us up. Again, you can email us or hit us on Twitter, whatever, and we'll give you the invite. It's a wonderful group of people. Absolutely love them to death. Uh, Please, there'll be links in the show notes. Go click the thing on my Kickstarter so that you'll get notified when it goes live. And please consider backing it day one. Get us there just so that my anxiety doesn't turn any more of my hair white than it already is. Uh, You, of course, can find me at the RPG Academy on Twitter, on Mastodon, and all the places. And um, I think that's it. So yeah, so just remember if you're having fun. You're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show, And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash therpgacademy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.
The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.